0: ESPN 580 Orlando's Live, Local, and Loud.
1: It is our number two, Live, Local, and Loud here on ESPN 580. Hanging out at Twin Peaks in Lake Buena Vista, just off 535. The Yingling's pouring out at 26.7 degrees. Brandon and Spencer writer the Cool Down Podcast. Joining me, Nick Grunewitz, Nicky Football. Let's talk some NBA draft. Uh, I've been... I've been following all the news of the day. I love the draft. Uh, I, I have this ridiculous relationship since the Magic are in the draft with the NBA draft because un- unlike the NBA playoffs, while everyone else is studying the playoffs, I try to study the draft as much as possible with all the guys that the Magic might have an option to take. And actually, a guy that we're working out tomorrow is one I've done very little work on because I thought that he was going to be taken much further behind the Magic, like 10, 11, or 12. but. Uh, fill in the blank for me. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can. 844-225-5580. Text is 21232. The the NBA draft is in one week. The Magic will draft blank with the number six pick. 844-225-5580. Text is 21232. That is 21232. Now, the news of the day from NBA circles is all about Michael Porter Jr., who is a guy that uh, I'm very high on as a prospect, dealt with a back injury, only played about three games at Missouri this year. I think it was like 56 minutes. Like He didn't play in college at all. But uh, former Missouri forward, Michael Porter Jr., canceled his second pro day in Chicago uh, on Friday because of a strained hip. Uh, he couldn't get out of bed, according to reports, because of muc- muscle spasms. NBA lottery teams were told uh, this afternoon that the workout had been canceled. They may reschedule the workout, but that's going to be tough, of course, this close to the draft. So the whole day has kind of been about what the status is medically of Michael Porter Jr., who has not worked out here in Orlando. The Magic have worked out some of the top picks, like a a Trey Young. They're going to have Wendell Carter Jr. in tomorrow, from what my understanding is. I hear Colin Sexton will be working out for the Magic, the Alabama point guard, on Saturday um, Anthony Simmons with Orlando on Saturday, though he's a second-round pick. Adrian Wojnarowski just reporting that access for lottery teams and doctors to evaluate Michael Porter's surgically repaired back is trending towards happening on Friday. Uh, teams are preparing to travel, and we'll get the final word tonight. So, Brandon and Spencer, let, let me start with this for you guys, okay? Because... Uh, this kid is obviously dealing with a real injury, and I think the hip, the spasm, it has to do with the back. You're overcompensating because of the back, and that's why the hips flare up. Um, With the number six pick, let's say that Michael Porter Jr. is there. Do you guys consider taking this guy with a back injury at age 19 and, and you don't know what his status is going to be?
2: Well, the most for me, Brandon, the most important thing is what you just said, when teams are allowed to travel there and take a look at the medical records and see how the back is. If this sounds like it's just something that's a little fishy from his camp because he doesn't want to go somewhere, which we've seen in the past with other big-name players.
1: Poor Zingis wouldn't work out with the 76ers. Yeah,
2: we've, we've, we've seen guys in the NFL refuse to go to teams. And so if this sounds more like that to the Orlando Magic, then I would say go ahead and draft him. Because for me, I think Orlando's a market where eventually you can still lure free agents. It's the Sunshine State. It's got great weather. Other pro athletes have homes still here in Windermere. It's it's no, uh, no state tax. If you can build a player like Michael Porter Jr., who has this kind of talent, who has slipped out of the top five mock drafts because of injury history, but you think you can get six, seven, eight big years out of him. I think you take that chance because this is the market where a guy like Wendell Carter Jr., who I think we're just going to draft. It sounds like such an Orlando Magic thing to do. Draft the most boring guy, Jonathan Isaac. Like you, you, That's what we're going to do, I feel like. And drafting Wendell Carter, I think there's the ceiling is not high enough. You have to take the chance to get the splash player because that way free agents will want to come play here and you can actually build a nice, a nice window of a run. So for me... If Michael Porter's there, or, or, or even Colin Sexton, a guy that my brother Spencer just, just said has Russell Westbrook-type ability possibly, you take the higher ceiling. So us, you know, the latest ESPN mock draft has us taking Wendell Carter. I just think he's a nice piece. He's a nice player. But Orlando and the market we're in and the team we have now and just the lack of marketability over the past, I don't know, handful of years since Dwight Howard left, you want to get the guy with the high ceiling. And as long as his back isn't being told to us, That's pretty much broken. I think you go ahead and you take that chance. I I would do it.
1: Yeah, this thing comes down to the doctors first and foremost, of course, because if your doctor looks at you and goes, Nah, it's not it's not gonna happen. Then of course you you have to pass on. This happened with Denzel Valentine, the kid out of Michigan State a couple of years ago. He ended up getting taken by the Bulls. Like eight. Oh, it was eight or nine. I thought it was further back than that actually. I'd have to go I'd have to go look to see where he was taken. But they looked, Maybe that's
2: where he was projected to They go.
1: looked at his knees, and they just said, nah, he might get three or four years, but then the knees are done. How about you, Spencer? What do you do with a guy like uh, Michael Porter Jr.? He was taking 14th, 14th. in the draft. 14th. I Thanks, said 15th. Sam.
0: That was pretty close. Thanks, Sam. Um, yeah, I think that the NBA draft, just like any draft, it is a crapshoot. It is something that you have to take a chance. Unless you have the number one pick and you have a LeBron James there, which has literally only happened, what, twice, three times in NBA history unless you have something like that at 6 which you I mean you're not going to get that there you're taking a chance on anybody that you draft and so if you can get somebody who potentially could be the one of the top 5 or 10 best players in the entire NBA which Porter Jr has the skill set to be there yeah you don't pass on him with the number 6 pick unless like you said the doctors are just warning you time and time again but look Greg Oden still went number 1 when every single medical Professional in the world said his knees don't have cartilage. He's literally unable to walk right and they still took him number one Because guess what you take a chance in the draft
1: and they did and that's really what you're doing here if you're the magic front office if you're looking at Michael Porter jr Trying to decide do I have Joel Embiid? or do I have Greg Oden? Do I have Joel Embiid where it's an injury right now, he's going to get past it, he's ridiculously young and also ridiculous has a ridiculous amount of upside uh, that once he gets past this will grow into one of the top 20 players in the league or wherever you want to put Joel Embiid, or are you looking at a Greg Oden where it's one injury after the other and it's more, I don't want to say... Logical, but it's more just this guy's has has more of a proclivity to get injured some guys just they're injury prone and that's what happened with greg O.
2: well let's not forget joel Embiid sat for two years he did i mean joel Embiid could be the actual blueprint for a michael porter jr it a guy be. that might not be 100 healthy but has the ability to be a top 10 15 player two years down the road
1: and is that the page you take out of sam hinkey's book if you're the orlando magic i don't Listen, like let's not mince words here. This is another rebuild for Orlando. Third you one. Take this kid. Uh, okay, third one. Since I'd, since Dwight, I'd say two point five. Okay, two point right. five. I mean, you kind of went halfway, and then this is it, though. You're in now. Yeah. You're in now, definitely. This is this is the second or third one. And could you take Michael Porter Jr. and say, "Hey, you're not going to play a game in 2018. You're just going to sit the entire year, get well, get healthy, just like the Sixers did with Embiid. The team is." Awful again, and I hate to say that from a fan perspective, yeah. from a guy who, by the way, like, I root for me. And I think we can all – I root for me more than anything. When the Magic are good, my freaking job is easier. And I would love for the Magic to be good. They're just – do you sit the kid for an entire year and say, hey, you're not going to play, and then we watch you get back to 100% and then come 2019, 20, 2020, 20, you've got another top ten pick. You've got Michael Porter Jr. You have Jonathan Isaac. Maybe Aaron Gordon, and maybe that's what decides what you do with Aaron Gordon, and you start rolling a team together.
0: I want to take a page out of old Herm Edwards' book here. Hello, you play to win the game. You don't play to try to barely skate into the eighth seed in the playoffs. You play to win an NBA championship, and if doing so means that you pick a player who in two or three years can be one of the best in the league like Philly did with Embiid, and look what's happened with him, I'm he all for it. I, I just
2: can't game. stress enough what I said you know, a few minutes ago, which is that this market, the only way you get to that level is to get a guy who likely was going to be the number one pick in the draft and just a year later with an injury slides to your position right outside the top five. I think that's what you, you actually have to look for that.
1: Yeah, the Magic are looking for a little bit of luck here at this point, and maybe the luck is that Michael Porter Jr. woke up with a hip spasm today, and it scares off you know, the three other teams in front of them that might take them. Now, this is a situation, too, where you're dealing with an injured player like this, and I, Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, I think they're going to do a spectacular job here in Orlando. This is one of the get-fired decisions as a GM. I don't envy these guys in the position that they're in whatsoever because you look at them, everyone in our position that are grading these guys we're expecting them to be fortune tellers okay can you see five years 10 years 15 years into the future and how is this kid going to project and will he be healthy if you pass on him and you take let's say the other guy trey young and trey young is not steph curry he's trey burke and you passed on michael porter jr who is not Greg good but Joel Embiid, all of a sudden everyone's looking at that saying hey you could have had the guy that turned into a top ten player, who turned into the best player in this draft, and that's what's so interesting about the 2018 NBA draft. Is you guys go through a couple of those names there, whether it be Ayton, Doncic, Jaron Jackson Jr. from uh, from Michigan State, uh, Trey uh, Trey Young, and, and and Michael Porter Jr. and whoever name Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley. There's probably five or six guys that if I told you in five years that guy was the best guy in the draft. You can make a case for, and that's why the Magic picking at number six. Be at three would love to be at four. Would be great to even be at five. Mobamba's another one too. But even at six, you're going to get a quality guy. But the Magic need a little bit of luck here. And if Michael Porter Jr. is there at number six, I think you got to roll the dice because it's been six years since you made the playoffs. Take a page out of Sam Hankey's book and take the kid with more upside, with there's a little bit more risk. I like that a lot. Are behind uh, Porter Jr. If Porter was gone. I'll tell you that coming up next. eight four four two two five 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 eight That's it. Four two two fifty five. Text is two one two three two. Go ahead, fill in the blank for me. The man will take blank with the sixth pick of the 2018 NBA draft a week from tonight. I'll tell you who I would we'll pick. Michael Porter Jr. It is not there, and also a couple of dark. One dark horse. Excuse me. A dark horse that the Magic may take it. Number six, Michael Scotto of The Athletic dropping that on us earlier today on ESPN Afternoons with Scott S, With Brandon and Spencer Ryder from the Cooldown Podcast, I'm Nick with Nicky Football. It's live, local, and loud.
0: This is ESPN 580 Orlando's live, local, and loud.
1: Hey, welcome back. Live, local, and loud here on ESPN 580. We're hanging out at Twin Peaks in Lake Buena Vista, just off 535. Come on down and join us. We're the Yingling is pouring out at twenty six point six degrees. The twenty eighteen U.S. Open is on there. They're they're running one of, one of my all time favorite games. They're running is this is this ESPN Classic something? It's the twentieth anniversary. This is, ESPN is this game? Yeah, this is game six, right? Of the twenty. I'm sorry, of the nineteen ninety seven NBA Finals. I think this is the Jordan push off game that they have on right now. No, this
2: would be ninety eight then.
1: Ninety eight. You're right. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. You're right. Uh, uh, Jazz Bulls. Uh, I think we're getting up kind of towards the end here. I still remember where I was when I was watching this game too. In my parents' basement, I was eight years old, and Jordan made that shot over Russell. Yeah. And I mean, eight years old, it was. Jordan was a god. Yeah. In, in Chicago, my it's so and there's there's Jerry Sloan too. A young Jerry Sloan. Wow. Um,
2: I, I can't watch those games now. Yeah. It's like a problem for me. I need to get over this quickly. Watching these guys and and wondering. Could they even get off the bench in the NBA today?
1: You can't do it now. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's the tough thing is everyone wants to compare eras, and it's so difficult because of the technology, the style of the game, and I get it, we want to do the LeBron Jordan thing, that's fun, but when you start asking me whether or not Charles Oakley could play in 2018 – the answer is a resounding no. Oh, right. couldn't play today. No. He just,
0: Bill Lambeer would never even no. know how to dribble a basketball in today's NBA. Yeah,
1: Lambeer couldn't do it. Most of those guys had okay, they could shoot, but they didn't have a handle. They no. couldn't create their own shot. No. Look at a guy like like Clay Thompson. Like Klay Thompson dribbles just well enough to do right. what he does with the Golden State Warriors. It's
2: And look at him compared to Jeff Hornacek. Yeah. Like he he's miles ahead in everything other than shooting, and you have to have more than just shooting. So that's just a fun thing that I, I, when I watch these games and it's on here at Twin Peaks, and I think to myself, could these guys play today? And obviously I don't like to cross, you know, um, compare over generations because, like we're just saying, with all the health benefits now and and, and all the technology. Yeah, like
1: LeBron James gets done with Game 2 of the NBA Finals. He goes back to Cleveland and does what? He sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber. Like you... I, I don't think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber. They were flying coach to games.
2: I bet I have a night like a more comfortable bed than Kareem had.
1: Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Brandon and Spencer Ryder, the Cool Down Podcast, joining me, Nick Grunowitz, Nicky Football, on Live, Local, and Loud tonight. As I said, we're at Twin Peaks in Lake Buena Vista. Talking about the Orlando Magic draft. In one week, pretty much from right now, the Magic will be picking... In the NBA draft, who do you think they should pick? 844-225-5580. Text is two one two three two. And we just finished talking about um, Michael Porter Jr. Who, if he's available at number six, I I think you have to take the risk. Now Spencer asked me uh, right before the break if Michael Porter Jr. wasn't there, who would I take? And that's kind of the fun thing of where the Magic are at number six. Someone has to fall. When I talk to Magic fans, they believe, well, you're going to get, you're going to be on the outside looking in. Eight players can't go in the first five picks of the draft. You're going to get somebody, whether it's a Marvin Bagley III or a Jaron Jackson Jr. or a fill-in-the-blank type of a guy. We know Ayton's going one. I think Doncic definitely goes in the top three. Bagley likely goes in the top three. So after that, you're going to get one of Jaron Jackson Jr., Michael Porter Jr., Mo Bamba, or Trey Young. And for me, if, if Michael Porter Jr. isn't there... I think I got to pull the trigger and take Trey Young. Yeah, I, is, I, I is, just, I have to. Is
2: that from an entertainment marketability yes. standpoint?
1: Uh, first and foremost, when I bump into Magic fans on the street or when I'm kind of talking to them on social media, the excitement that I feel from the fan base when we talk about Trey Young is just at a level that we haven't felt here in Orlando really in the last, I don't know, like five or six years. Yeah, there's there's no juice. I don't draft to sell tickets or to put someone on a billboard, but I think this is a kid that is talented enough that you could take it number six that also does those other things for you where the minute that Trey Young is drafted, people are going to buy season tickets because they want to see this kid. And I think his game does translate to the NBA.
0: Well, you don't draft at all.
1: I don't. No, I don't. I, I I've sent a couple of mocks over to Jeff Weltman, but uh, the the email keeps getting bounced back. So I think my I think I'm blocked at this point.
2: I, I see. For me, I'm just hoping I have this uh, this pipe dream here that we're gonna get Isaiah Thomas. Like how you feel like that's such a no-brainer. It
1: feels like inevitable. Right. So if
2: we get him, I think he actually does the marketing that Trey Young would do while also developing a young Mo Bombo or a young Michael Porter Jr. or even a Colin Sexton. So I think if you can do that, if you can pull the trigger on that, I think Isaiah has like two more exciting, you know, 20-plus point-per-game seasons in him I hope so. and while you're developing a young guy. Now, if that's not on the table, I agree with you. I think from a marketing standpoint, Orlando just doesn't have the juice right now. The fan base needs that invigoration, and Trey Young would do that for us. I think he's a lot like Steph Curry. But the difference between a Steph Curry and a guy that's hoping to become that is the consistency – and honestly, the size. A lot of people don't think that Steph Curry's a big, a big guy. He's 6'3". actually a pretty big point guard. He is. So that is a big difference on why he can get those shots off and why he can stay so consistent.
1: Yeah, the two inches difference in the frame, and Steph Curry has filled out in his mm-hmm. day. You go back to his days at Davidson, uh, and it's 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 like picking a kitten out of the water. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? He's just he he was all bones and no fat, and he's really filled out and put on a lot of muscle and. and and uh, uh, Trey Young's going to have to do that too. The other reason why I would take a Trey Young at number six is because if he has a solid rookie season, he's the kind of magnetic talent and the kind of kid with a personality where free agents, and and I know that Orlando is still a long way away from pitching the top-tier free agents, but guys might look at Orlando and say, hey, listen, I could get my money there but also get to play with a point guard that does pass the basketball led the nation in assists and could also put up for you know 40 points in a game or so i think he would excite other players and maybe they'd want to go play with him. so i i think that he makes a lot of sense too well what what happened to alex martins and, and and the guys in the
0: front office who were bringing in tim duncan and tracy mcgrady and grant hill we were at one point a destination like I don't understand why we no longer have any pull to bring in even B-level stars. We couldn't even get Paul Millsat last offseason. Well, well the
1: 25 well, wins and the 29 wins the last two seasons. Similar, we were similar then.
0: Well, I, I think that, that that
2: came off of the heels of Shaq and Penny, though, Spencer. Mm-hmm. So years remember, after. well, not, I wouldn't say, I would say, you know, a handful of years, but I mean, we're a handful of years removed from Dwight Howard and going to the final. So I, I'm saying I, I believe that we should be that destination, I think, winning, coming off the heels of winning, and, and with it, within a decade of winning. So, if you win within that eight to ten years, I think you're still relevant enough where where free agents would come. But you can't have six, seven, eight, nine. 20-win seasons and expect people to come. But like I said in the first hour, I still think Orlando has a lot to offer. I don't think Orlando is some of these cities that um, if if you're not developing something homegrown into a Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook, that you're just not going to get anybody. I don't think we're that level.
1: I'll agree with Spencer. It's frustrating from a Magic fan, and I'm sure even an organization standpoint, where name some of the top guys that have moved teams. And I'm talking about the premier players in the last five years LeBron has changed teams and I know you weren't ne- you LeBron was going to go back to Cleveland but LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony like there's five right there that have changed teams and guys now as they come up near the end of the deal their of their contracts they, they kind of they, I'm trying to remember what I would what I call them. the disgruntled superstar is kind of the new free agent in yeah. the NBA where guys want out from where they are gordon hayward another guy that changed teams and you're not in a position where you can get in on the conversation part of that spencer might be the front office saying hey we're trying to build this thing slowly and we've got a young team here and listen i think a lot of signing big time free agents has to do with connections and has to do with working relationships Honestly, I don't think Rob Hennigan had any of those connections or any of those relationships. I think Rob Hennigan liked doing business with guys that he knew, and he did business with who in his day? Did business with Oklahoma City, and he did business with Toronto, two organizations that he knew and worked with because he knew guys in those organizations. That was pretty much it. Detroit was another one that he did a deal with. So um, I, I think when you look at the new front office, I think those guys just need to show a little bit of progression in the team and they're going to start pitching some of these big guys but it's still in an age where free agents are hitting are all wanting to kind of team up you also kind of need the cap space and this team because of some of the big time salaries that Rob Hennigan signed Bismack Biombo, Evan Fournier they're not going to have any cap space this year what 15 million dollars that's not a whole lot to work with either you have limited options other than the draft a couple of guys, a mid-level exception, and that's just about it. This, so.
2: is, this is the regime that really needs to show something. And the reason why I feel, you know, w- in, in past drafts, Orlando hasn't had a whole lot to work with where you could say, well, they missed on this guy, but this guy was there. I looked at the draft where we drafted Victor Oladipo. Well, I, looked draft through, right. drafted I looked at the draft where we drafted Mario Hezonja. I looked at the draft all the last five, six years. This is a draft where, like we said, eight or nine guys could possibly be the best player in this draft five years from now we can't we can't draft this season the one guy who's not going to be in that discussion
1: it, it's it's it goes back to an old point I made last year before Jeff Weltman and John Hammond took uh, um, Jonathan Isaac and I still believe in Jonathan Isaac I'm going to die the Jonathan Isaac Hill I think he's going to be uh, a very good young player for the Magic this upcoming season but I don't really care where you're drafting. Just nail the damn pick. And that is what it is about this year for the Orlando Magic. One dark horse, the Magic could take it number six. We'll tell you that coming up next. 844-225-5580. Text is 21232. It's live, local, and loud live from Twin Peaks in Lake Buena Vista here on ESPN 580 Orlando.
0: Now, ESPN 580 Orlando's live, local, and loud
1: Hey, welcome back. It's live, local, and loud here on ESPN Five. Andy hanging out down at Twin Peaks in Lake Buena Vista. Just off 535, the Yingling is pouring out at 29.1 degrees. The U.S. Open live at Shinnecock is uh, on television here. You want to come on down? Tiger just finished up his round. Tiger finishes at 8 over. Uh, he is 9 shots off the lead. The leaders are at 1 under right now. Uh, And Jason Duffner's putt just went in for par. He remains one shot off the lead. Dustin Johnson, who won at St. Jude's last week, uh, he is in a four-way tie for first place. Brandon and Spencer Ryder joining me, Nick with Nicky Football here on the show. Jerry Daniels will be back tomorrow. We've we've let Jerry go have his own night off here on a Thursday. (laughs) He's up at Christner's enjoying their silver anniversary. If you want to head up uh, a great charitable event going on at Christner's tonight, head on up just on uh, Lee Road there, Christner's Prime Steak. And lobster so I, I mentioned one dark horse that the magic could take at number six, and we 're going to move on to uh, some of the other NBA news and rumors here the off season but uh, Michael Scotto of the athletic and, and I, I met Mike um, a couple of years ago when he was working uh, as a reporter and love his work I think he 's very well connected he works for the athletic now uh, Mike Scotto gave us one dark horse that the magic t- could pick. Uh, at number six, when he joined Scott Inez on ESPN Afternoon, Scott Inez. Cut number two, Sam. Yeah, we're looking for cut number two, Sam.
3: And in terms of, you know, the possibility of Orlando, um, you know, as I wrote in the mock, I, I do have Trey Young going there as of now. However, I will say that... Uh, an intriguing dark horse there that I don't think a lot of people would say but wouldn't shock me at all on draft night um, is Kentucky's Shea Gilges Alexander, 6'6", hmm. six, six, 180 uh, point guard. And some executives around the league wonder if he ultimately uh, becomes the best point guard in this draft down the road. And he's a guy that fits the, the draft prototype in terms of his physical attributes that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond of the Orlando Magic have historically uh, looked at. And, you know, when you think of John Hammond, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when he took Don Maker at number 10, nobody saw that coming. And just throwing it out there as a dark horse that that could happen at six. They are looking for a point guard. And um, wouldn't shock me.
1: That's Michael Scotto of The Athletic talking to Scott Inez earlier today. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, if you haven't heard of him, he's a freshman out of Kentucky, played one year uh, for uh, Coach Calipari up there, as everyone seems to. Uh, he is a 6'6", 180-pound point guard that averaged 14 points, 5 assists, and shot 40% from three in college. This would be very much a Jeff Welton, John Hammond type of a pick. I just don't know if it comes... At number six. But you got uh, uh, Brandon and Spencer are with me here, guys. We talked about Donovan Mitchell during that commercial break and about how nobody saw Donovan Mitchell coming and he ends up falling into kind of the latter part of the lottery. He goes 13 to Utah after Utah traded up. If you're looking for a Donovan Mitchell-esque situation here, it might be a guy like Gilgis Alexander who showed some but not quite enough in one year in college and then puts it all together in the right situation in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would say that taking a player like that, I mentioned earlier, you know, any draft, no matter what the sport is, you're taking a chance pretty much after the number one pick.
1: They call it a lottery for a reason.
0: They call it a lottery for a reason. But somebody who is as unknown and as raw as this player is, why not not trade back? Go to number nine, number ten, and take this player where he's ultimately going to be taken by anyone else who's not going to take an ultimate risk going four or five spots ahead. You can get an additional pick or two, maybe an additional starting player, and then get your raw player of the future four or five picks back. And
1: I I think that that is a realistic possibility for Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. We saw last year they don't mind trading picks. They they traded two of the four picks that they had last year. They have three picks this season. They have six, 35, and 41. If they call up the L.A. Clippers – and by the way, I think the Clippers phone lines are going to be so busy on draft night. I think everyone wants to try to fleece them for thir- for 12 and 13, for them to move up and take a chance on a player there in the top six or the top eight or the top ten. Uh, if I'm the Magic, guy, you maybe start thinking about calling the L.A. Clippers and saying, hey, we'll give you six. You give us 12 and 13. I don't know if a player has to be involved there. I don't really care about the machinations of it. But then you take a guy like... How about this? How about a couple of Kentucky teammates? You take Kevin Knox, the Tampa kid who played very well in his one season at Kentucky, and you take Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and there's kind of your new 1-2 there for the Magic that you pair with Aaron Gordon. And,
2: and Jonathan Isaac. It works in the NFL when when teams take multiple Alabama players, multiple Ohio State players. I mean, if they're coming out of the best product school in the country, I don't think that's a bad idea, Nikki, at all. But um, I guess I just I have a problem with personally with that with that system. The Weltman, the the long players. You know, you mentioned uh, Thon Maker and, hasn't
1: really panned and, out, and
2: Giannis, and then now Jonathan Isaac, like. The reason why I'm, I'm just not getting behind Jonathan Isaac is those players to me. John Henson. I just don't, right. I just don't see those players becoming what the cornerstone of franchises look like. I mean, wh- what player is the cornerstone of a franchise besides Giannis? And honestly, Giannis hasn't taken his team anywhere. We, we, we love Giannis because of his humble nature and attitude and the, and the, the ability to, to play well at all positions on the court. But what has he actually really done, guys, honestly? He is my number one most overrated player in the NBA. I just don't. I just don't know what he's done, guys. Tell me what he's done and tell me what he's shown that he can do.
1: The the attention is because of the potential. He hasn't developed the jump shot yet. He needs to do that. But he's he's a special player. The handles at the size that he is. And you're right, though. We're still making a lot of that on potential. He's a guy that's five years in the league, and this next season is the rubber meets the road season for yeah. Giannis Adedikunpo. And yeah. I think we would say that about pretty much any player in his situation where they finally made the playoffs this year. They lost to Boston in seven games. Now, I don't think it would be as much of a series if you had Kyrie Irving and and Gordon Hayward in that series, but... You're right. You start looking at some of those long athletic guys, and I buy into that system. I do because oh, I'm
2: such the opposite. I look,
1: but I look at Boston and I look at them saying, "Hey, we're going to take rangy forwards." Now those guys had a little bit more of a skill set when they were taken. They either had a jump shot or they had a defensive ability, i.e., Marcus Smart there at Boston, uh, Jason Tatum, those kind of guys. And those guys are all taken in the top half of the lottery. Yeah, these guys are taking guys like. Um, You know, I mentioned John Henson and uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo. And, by the way, Malcolm Brogdon, another guy. He won Rookie of the Year, but it was in a historically weak rookie class that he won that Rookie of the Year. The OG Ananobi, another one, though. You know what? That was with Toronto. Oh, Jeff Weltman didn't draft him, excuse me. But uh, he was drafted the year that Jeff Weltman left. But um, you could be right about the fact that those long athletic guys, they don't ever seem to find a place. I think that we need a little bit more time on that. But that being said... If that's the system that kind of brought you to where you were and you believe in it, maybe you think about doing that. I have a hard time with the trade back because you just you need the cornerstone guy. I know. And I think trading back to say we'll take two and think the two is better than the one, we've all watched the NBA for a lot of years, guys. Since when are the two better than the one? Yeah. Usually if you can get the one, the one is kind of everything, isn't yeah. it?
2: Yeah, I agree with that personally. That's why I, I mean – we're looking at that guy out of Kentucky, the point guard, and maybe he is going to be something. And if, if we could trade back and he turns into be the best point guard in the draft, and maybe we won that. However, I'm not opposed to those guys at the point guard, two guard, and small forward positions. I'm against them in the power forward, the center, the, the like, I'm against those, the, 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 big, the real big guys. The only guy we've seen do that, and I don't want anybody to call or text or tell me about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had one of the smoothest, most consistent, best jump shots Ever, I mean, look look at him. He's like pulling
0: and a half points a game in college.
2: Correct. So, I, the rangy guys works if you can shoot the ball like that. But every guy we've mentioned in the past five minutes, none of them can shoot the ball. So if you can't shoot the ball, then how does all that length even help you? I just don't think it does. So for me, I'm looking at a, a, a guy that's traditionally has a big NBA power body with skill, like Michael Porter, or one of the point guards, like a Colin Sexton, or even a Trey Young, and get somebody like that. Now Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba looks like. He can play he, Mo Bamba to me looks like what we thought we were going to get in Jonathan Isaac. That to me that's what he looks like.
1: Mo Bamba is a product, the kid out of Texas. Uh, he scares the heck out of me because I keep hearing, "Well, his floor is Clint Capella." Okay, well, look, like, I don't want to take Clint Capella with the number six pick. Like yeah. Clint Capella was was he a second round pick He's or was he a late really first round though. pick?
2: He's good. You're talking to the, the the owner, operator, and founder of the Clint Capella fan club, that's, and my brother Spencer. And
1: that's perfectly fine, but I mean. He's really good, but he's really good next to Chris Ball and James Harden. Yeah. And that. Dan well, Tony you don't system. want to take him at
2: six. Exactly. I mean, I'm agreeing with that. There
1: were times where you couldn't play him in that series against Golden State because they played him off the floor, and a lot of it is, you know, hey, go play defense, pick and roll, and he doesn't shoot the ball quite well enough either. But I think he's a useful player. I thought he was going to be much more important in that Western Conference finals, but but he wasn't. But, I mean, that's what scares me about Mobamba.
0: But, yeah, size is being phased out of the NBA as far as – the true centers, the true power forwards, and so something like Capella and, and Rudy Gobert and Houston, that's why that series was really actually pretty damn fun to watch. Because you had two true centers that we haven't really seen in since really Shaq going up, and, uh, up against Mutombo, we haven't seen two true dominant back-to-the-basket centers, and it was really fun to watch. Neither one of those guys was going to get much playing time against Golden State because they were going to go small and force them off the court.
1: Yeah. You guys are right. I, I just... It's so. Th- this draft is so intriguing from yeah. the Magic's perspective because it's one of it's it's a it's a pivotal summer, and I've said that three summers in a row. But it's a pivotal summer for Orlando in shaping what is rebuild 3.0, as as you put it. Um, and they have so many options: trade back, trade up, take the pick at six. What are you going to do with the rest of that roster? Uh, this, I think, will be the the year where we look back and say, "Hey, that's either where everything hit rock bottom or." You kind of started to rebuild back into getting into contention.
2: I would implore the Magic front office, don't overthink it either. Like, there's no reason to overthink the situation. You have a few guys who are going to be there, like you mentioned earlier, Nikki. There's a few guys going to be there at our pick and take the best player available that shows the highest available upside and move on and let's build this team. No there's, there's no reason to overthink it there's no reason to to take guys that are dark horses that could pop in late you know what those guys might turn out for for a team that is at you know 8 9 or 10 but at the 6th pick if you think you have a guy there let's go ahead and take him and let's I think with the magic we're taking Mario Hazonia and even Jonathan Isaac I mentioned him last year there are so sure things there and even though Jonathan Isaac has certainly got the you know plenty of time to show if he's going to make it I just think we overthought it last year and the year before and the year before.
1: You keep mentioning these sure things that, that, that were sitting there. And I know you mentioned Dennis Smith Jr., who didn't go until, what was it, 10? It was 10, right, to, to, to Dallas. And then Donovan Mitchell ends up going seven. 13. Okay, 7. I mean, like, still, you got... Did he go one pick after Jonathan Isaac? You uh, I'm might sorry, Dennis right. Smith
2: was nine. So it, it went. Nine. It went at, at our pick. It was Jonathan Isaac. Then it was I mean, Markinen, okay. Frank Nicolina, Dennis Smith, and that's what I'm saying. Malik Nicolina Monk, um, Luke Kennard, and Mitchell. But if we if we had what we needed in mind, even even the kid in New York. I, I don't know how to say his last name. Frank Nicolina. I mean, they're they're saying in summer workouts he's playing amazing. I would have even rather brought him along. Because he would have had the same type of production as rookie season that Jonathan Isaac did. What did we need Jonathan Isaac for?
1: Yeah, I, I think you needed him as as kind of that early building block for this rebuild. Once again, though, like I'm all I'm all in on Isaac. I think that this year is going to change a lot of minds. Eight four four two two five 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 eight zero. Text is two one two three two. Coming up next, I want to get into some of these rumors with you guys. Uh, we've got. The Lakers shutting down Lonzo. Uh, I think that that's super entertaining. We'll get into Paul George. We'll get into Kyrie Irving. A whole lot as we head into the summer of LeBron. It's live, local, and live here on ESPN 5 in Orlando.